Welcome to the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Here are your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Staub. All right, welcome to Legally Sound Smart Business. This is Nasser Pasha. This is Matt Staub. And welcome to our podcast where we cover business in the news and add our legal twist and also answer some of your business legal questions at ask at LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com. And that was a pretty good intro. Yeah, it was. That was nice and clean. <laughs> yeah, uh, not, too, not too bad. <laughs> if I may say so myself. Yeah, it was good until you brought up the fact that it was nice and clean and good. I know. I can't not comment on the intro. It's It's just... It sticks with me. That's fine. So what do we have up today? All right. Well, this is a pretty interesting story. So this deals with, and I was unaware of this before coming across this story, but there's a few apps out there and the ones I mentioned are Whisper and Secret. So you can probably figure out what these are, but it's it's a way to communicate anonymously. And I've checked them out. I still don't fully understand the purpose of them, but you know, it's basically a way to, to say what you have to say and do it with anonymity. <laughs> the only problem is you know, these apps have their own privacy policies in place. And it basically allows them to take the information that's communicated over these apps and give them to necessary people. So it says, you know, law enforcement, subpoena for a civil lawsuit, or simply any accusation of wrongdoing on the service. That's general. You know, we touched on this last week with the Snapchat thing with information not disappearing. It's another app that defeats its own purpose. Except Snapchat was violating their policy, right? Yeah. It was a little bit different with them is that they actually had a privacy policy that protected it. This is like the complete opposite. But you're right. What I don't really get the point of it all either. But I thought we would bring Daniel Libby from Digital Forensics on. He's what I call a IT technology security guru, also does some digital forensics. Uh, Daniel, welcome to the program. Good morning, gentlemen. I appreciate it very much. Thank you. Absolutely. So... I'm curious as to whether you've even heard about these apps or not, but I just wonder the fact that you may have employees that are using this to whistleblow or to share company secrets is a little scary. I don't know. Well, you know, it really is. And it's the wave. I think it's a group of folks that are building some apps that basically take advantage of a current trend, as so many do. I was surprised by the amount of venture capital that was put into uh, an app like this because there's several others that do basically the same thing. Um, I would like to comment just real quick on your issue of Snapchat. The funny thing in the computer forensics world is we knew that Snapchat didn't delete those photos and everything else right from the outset. It took the rest of the country maybe 18, 24 months to figure it out, but we knew it uh, <laughs> right from the uh, right from the outset that it didn't do what uh, it purported to do. That's good. Well, I think you can speak very well to even things that are deleted aren't exactly deleted, right? You can take the word exactly out of that. Depending on the operating system, Apple does a better job, I don't know how much time I have, but a really quick way that I explain it to a jury is you walk into a library and a file system on a window computer is basically a library. It gives you an address of where the book is on a shelf. You can go there, check out the book, not a problem. If you don't want someone else to have the book, all you do is remove that reference from the card catalog. Now the book is still on the shelf, but no one else knows it's there. That's how Windows works with respect to deletes from the outset is that reference to where that data is and opens up a spot on the hard drive for another book to be written. You're right. Nothing is truly ever deleted. You get the in-privacy browsing issues that truly aren't privacy protected. We can exploit those forensically. So there's a lot of things that are touted to provide additional security to users that really aren't, if you read the fine print, 
just like the apps that you did on your intro that you were discussing, if you read the fine print to their advertising in their life. <laughs> which is kind of funny, which it kind of defeats the whole purpose. Well, here are some lessons from this, I think, from a, a small business perspective, is that the reason why this company is hard to protect it, their information is because if they get subpoenaed for a customer or one of their employees that violates an NDA, for example, a non-disclosure agreement, and they want to try to find out, okay, who is this person that divulges this information, they're going to have to comply with the subpoena or somehow fight it. But the fact that they're not putting up any kind of resources to fight that's kind of strange in my mind. Well, especially when they tout themselves as, you know, secret and protecting, protecting, and then you read the fine print and find out it's absolutely not true. Yeah, the poor business owner, and I'll side with the business owner on them, is being, you know, literally attacked on so many levels. Uh, Employees no longer have the allegiance to an employer that they once had. Employers no longer necessarily have allegiance to employees in this, uh, you know, the last 20, 25 years. A lot of that trust has eroded, and when the technology and the ease of which stealing of data, transferring of data, intellectual property theft, all those kind of things, you can truly hurt your employer in a really big way, really quick, just ask, and I refuse to use the individual's name because I worked for the organization for 25 years, but I will use the name Snowden. Okay. You know, see how quick you can really, truly, um, right, wrong, or indifferent what he did. I won't give you my opinion on that, but how he changed things, and I don't personally think for the better. Uh, if you'll indulge me just for a second, we are seeing sure. a new cryptographic protection on Al-Qaeda right now. So Al-Qaeda is reacting to, in their communications between their elements, to information that was leaked by Snowden. Sure. So what's interesting, too, is that these whistleblowers, you mentioned Snowden and so forth. There's actually a, a lot of laws, I don't know about Snowden, but a lot of laws that protect whistleblowers, both state and federal. I believe there's items regarding like any kind of, if you're working for a federal government, too, and you basically are whistleblowing some kind of mishandling of funds, etc. There's some protections for those individuals. And beyond that, if it's, for example, you have an employee that is complaining about some kind of labor law violation, having repercussions, whether you're terminating them or whatever, or even kind of uh, punishing them somehow is also against the law as well. And there are avenues for addressing those You know, I just attended a labor law conference last week where this was brought up in excess about how to address employee grievances and things like that and making sure that they have a method that the company supports to air their grievances or their concerns or their issues or potential violations of the law, you know, law and policy issues and things like that. I think a lot of folks use the whistleblower as a vindictive venue, and sometimes it's absolutely necessary. There's a, you know, there's an organization that is absolutely doing something wrong, you know, where the, one of the biggest ones is in law enforcement. You don't want to necessarily come down and be the one that is ratting out all your fellow coworkers, but if there's something that's wrong, there needs to be a venue where that is communicated anonymously. Yeah, you can use Whisper. <laughs> exactly. All right, well, we're going to get into the question of the day. And Daniel, hopefully you uh, want to stick around here and we want to get your perspective too. We had an issue with some customer info that was compromised. Should we tell our customers? And if so, how? And this comes from a surf shop in San Diego. 
I think from the legal perspective, it seems like a pretty obvious answer. I would say yes, you uh, you probably want to tell your customers about this. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, there's a requirement. California passed a law, I think, in 2003. I think there's also some, uh, even, for example, publicly traded companies also have a requirement for certain information now. I think the SEC released that. And, and so anytime when you have data that you're supposed to be holding privately and it gets leaked somehow, you have to have that disclosure. And it, I know it kind of sucks, but that's kind of the nature of it. You've been trusted with this information. And so if you lose it, then uh, you're going to have to do something about it. Daniel, what do you think? Do you have any experience with these kind of data breaches? <laughs> Unfortunately, a lot more than a lot of folks would like to admit. And that's true. And the reason for the law, and that's a good law, is because what used to happen in the past was it was an embarrassment and a potential hit on your corporate bottom line if you had to acknowledge at the big end, let's take a surf shop at the low end. Usually what the common denominator is in something like that is either an individual taking your private information from your clients that may include financial and things like that, credit card numbers and all of that, or it was a breach of one of your servers or something like that that processes your credit cards. Now you have a requirement in the credit card companies are going to come down really very, very expensive to do a thorough investigation, which is what the credit card companies require or they will terminate your contract. Very good. Well, obviously, Daniel Libby knows pretty much everything about technology and forensics, but why don't you tell us a little bit about what your company does? Because I know it's not, you don't do everything. You do have some uh, niches there. Well, thank you. I appreciate that opportunity. We're kind of a unique firm in that being a staunch constitutionalist, I don't make value judgments. What's nice about digital evidence from the forensic perspective (laughs) is that It's either there or it's not. If it's not, why? If it's there, what does it mean? It's not like a soft science. When we go into court to testify, rarely do we disagree with the opposing expert. Uh, We may differentiate on how something got there or, or something of that nature, but the bottom line is, you know, we bring facts to a court or to a hearing or to whatever. We do the litigation side of the world. We examine everything from cell phones to servers, video systems, audio systems, The big thing for us, and I just invested very heavily in this, is, you know, mobile devices and things like that. We're the only firm in the country, and I'm the only examiner in the country, that is trusted and respected to do criminal on both sides of the aisle. I do prosecutorial and defense work. Normally you do one or the other, but not both. And we do civil. And we do a fair amount of employment law-related violations. We do incident response from the perspective of not that I have been hacked, but incident response from the perspective of I had an employee and I think they've gone bad on me. I think they've taken all of my intellectual property. What do I do? Yeah, and that's very common. I just worked a case 225 hours in 16 days in order to get a TRO, that uh, temporary restraining order, so that the individual who illegally took that information from his company could not then use it. It was very, very, very specific information, and had it gone anywhere else, the industry that he came from would have known that. Wow, that's crazy. So uh, it's it's everything, cell phones, servers, video systems, audio systems. We work in the background usually. A lot of folks don't know who we are. We don't advertise as a general rule. Uh, Everything (laughs) is word of mouth. There's no signs on the door of our laboratory. That's who we are in a nutshell. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on the show. And uh, we'll definitely put your website and information on our show notes, of course. And that's Daniel Libby from Digital Forensics Incorporated. 
But uh, I think that's our show, right, Matt? Yep, that's it. Thanks, Daniel. Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate it. Very good. All right, keep it sound and keep it smart. This has been the Legally Sound Smart Business Show with your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stop. The Legally Sound Smart Business Show is your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Legally Sound Smart Business is a podcast that is intended but not promised or guaranteed to be current, complete, or up-to-date, and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. No attorney-client relationship is created by listening or submitting questions to the podcast. The podcast does not constitute legal advice, but rather is offered only for general informational and educational purposes. You should not act or rely on any information in the podcast without first seeking the advice of an attorney. The opinions expressed in the podcast reflect the views of those individuals and do not necessarily represent the views of any other individual or business. For more information about the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, visit LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com.